It is time for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. That is my guy, Daniel Galvez. We're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. We're bright and, bright and early here on a Wednesday morning. Woke up this morning. You know, Daniel had that alarm set for 6 a.m. And like most Americans, what do I do right when I, I hit the snooze button on the alarm? I go, all right, let me see. Look at these notifications. I go, oh, there's an email from Bellator PR. What could this be about? Yep, we've got some changes. We'll talk about that. AJ McKee no longer fighting on Saturday. By the way, Bellator event airing live. Maybe a couple years too late to finally airing these overseas events live, but they're finally doing live here this weekend. Of course, we got uh, UFC 291. Daniel, a great Saturday night at Combat Sports coming up. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, you know what? I, I got my, my the bar I go to. I'm about to say, hey, y'all want to pony up some money and get the, uh, the Spence Crawford pay per view too? Yeah, that. Uh... You know that might be overkill. That might be overkill for for the uh, too many too many things going on, Jason. But uh, yeah, if you are a combat sports fan, extending outside of mixed martial arts, I mean, you got yourself one hell of a weekend. Hell, it's been a good week. You know, if you're a boxing fan, you had in a way. I think a lot of people were watching that fight Tuesday morning, and they saw him get the big W. But anytime you got a UFC pay per view, it feels special. It feels like a big week. That's kind of the reward for kind of the crap we get on the fight night cards. Like even that England card we got last week kind of sucked. And it's it's just the oversaturation is crazy. We feel it when it's fight night cards. We feel it when it's in the apex. But when it's pay-per-view weeks, they feel special. The cards are really good. And you add on a little Bellator in Japan. And if you're a combat sports fan, you get excited for all that. I would say, I don't know if you've had this interaction this week at, at, at this point or not, but like I had this interaction yesterday where I had a buddy call me up and he's like, hey man, what are you doing Saturday night? I was like, you know where I'll be at. I'll be at the spot. I'll be watching the UFC pair of you. He goes, dude, man, I'm, I'm looking at this fight car, man. It's a killer fight car. I'm like, yeah, I mean, when the UFC has to sell tickets and it's a pay-per-view and they got to push these, these pay-per-view sales, they typically do put on together a great card. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about UFC London. Tom Asshole, man, boy, did he look great. Uh, also, got to talk about Molly McCann. And um, I don't think the weight is the reason you lost that matchup. Just going to say. Just going to say that maybe technique had something to do with that. Of course, also, I mentioned we'll talk about the Bellator. Also, we'll talk about some news and notes. And uh, also talk about the fact of the ABC meet, annual meeting is, is starting up this weekend in Las Vegas. And there's a, a couple interesting notes. And one of those interesting notes is Ryzen. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. But I, I do have a little bit of, uh, of of why it is on the agenda this week. But, you know, Daniel, before we kind of get into this MMA talk, you know, there's a lot of times that we can, cannot necessarily relate to athletes. So over the weekend, I'm scrolling through my my social media timeline, just like we all do. And um, Daniel, this is one of those weeks that I can really relate to MMA athletes. And so people who are watching this on, on YouTube, you can see this. First up, it's a on the left side of the screen, you'll see it is someone tweeting at Jeff Neal. that says, saw UFC welterweight Jeff Neal working as a server at the Texas Roadhouse in Grand Prairie. Dana, need to pay these fighters, man. Jeff Neal responds, not a pay issue on my side, just working to stay busy. I tend to do stupid shit when I'm not busy. Daniel, I can so relate to this. Look, I'm glad he's self-aware enough to be like, I, I'm not busy, I might do something stupid. 
I will say I relate to this, but I also must say I one part I can't relate to is being a server at Roadhouse is how one stays busy. Like I'm going to do literally anything else in the world to stay busy, bro. Like I would rather, you know, I don't know, like play marbles. I don't know. Well, play Pokemon cards. It would be way more fun to donate my time to a humane society and to hang out with some smelly dogs and cats. That would be way more fun than being a server at a, at a restaurant. Hey, hey, dude. If that's true, I mean, all I'm saying is I don't necessarily believe Jeff Neal. This is look, all I'm saying. Look, maybe Jeff Neal likes to, you know, have a good time and, and maybe he likes just having that additional cash that he's got to pop down the credit card when he wants to go out and have, you know, some fun with the boys. I'm I'm just saying maybe if I was in Jeff Neal's spot, I'll just throw an excuse out there for him. Yeah, it's a, it's an excuse. I don't think a top fifteen fighter should be worried about getting extra cash. I digress. I digress. I also understand the need to do things to keep yourself busy, especially like if you are able to be a full time fighter, which I guess Jeff Neal isn't able to be a full time fighter. Uh, you have you probably do have a lot of free time if you're training once or twice a day. Maybe three hour sessions. That's six hours out of your twenty four hour day, and you probably got about six hours, eight hours left of free time. Got to find something to do. All I'm saying is, Jeff, if you're trying to pass the time, find some other hobbies that are are more fun than being a server. I mean, if you want to be a part of the nightlife scene, I think Jeff maybe should be a bouncer, though. I mean, that seems a little more fun. Bouncer, uh, strip that's, club security. That's that's kind of the go-to for mixed martial arts. But I was like, you know what? Can relate so much to Jeff Neal. Can relate so much because yeah, when I'm not doing anything, yeah, I tend to do stupid shit. Next up, let's go over to George Kittle. This is a I mean, we can all relate to George Kittle. So apparently this was George Kittle's first post on threads. I'm on threads, really haven't got too active on it. He says, if you're driving slower than the speed limit in the left lane, you should go to jail immediately. Daniel, let's be honest about it. We have all had this opinion when we're in the left lane and that person is going like barely the speed limit. And I was over on the interstate the other day. I was doing some travel for work. I four is a big interstate here in Florida can essentially connects Tampa to Orlando. And they had a sign that said, uh, slower traffic in the left lane was subject to a fine maximum $121. Like, look, we've all had that road rage. I know, Daniel, I know you've had that road rage too with someone going too slow in the left lane. You literally have, it, it, there's no excuse. The left lane is for passing. All right. The left lane is for going. <laughs> no, 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 no. I saw a TikTok video and it described this perfectly. You know what the left lane really is for? What's that? People who have speeding ticket money. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have if you don't have speed ticket money, get the f out of the left lane. Yeah, it, it's you are you are also being dangerous if you're going slower than the speed limit. If you're in the left lane, all right, you're holding up traffic. You're creating little wolf packs on the expressway where everyone's all bunched up together. Get out. Yeah, if you are going five under in the left lane, I think a jail time. I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair because you are choosing to go in the left lane. You know that you are a slow driver. Stay in the right lane. That's where you belong. That's where you can be comfortable and be safe and be fun. But going to the left lane, you're just asking for trouble. Now, the other thing that was so relatable uh, I saw on social media, and I'm sure a lot of people have now seen this photo of Glover Teixeira and Alex Pahea, where, I mean – 
First off, this photo, there's so many things to take in, Daniel. First off, is Glover just drinking straight out of the pitcher? Like, that is the first thing that pops my mind. Is like, all right, Glover, I kind of, I, I, now, personally, I've never drank straight out of the pitcher. I've certainly poured a beer into a pint glass, not straight out of the pitcher. Then we got, like, the dad fanny pack, and then Alex Pahea is holding a, a pool stick, and he's just giving this look. There has been just some tremendous memes out there in terms of this one. I, I sent you one of the memes where, they put over Alex said, you said you weren't going to drink anymore. And the, uh, the caption under Glover is what's that? <laughs> it's, it's an amazing picture. It, it's just, it's everything I wanted. Glover has absolutely retired so perfectly. He, he looks like he's ready to be, be a retired fighter or a great coach. And uh, the facial expressions are amazing. Glover is such a big human. So is Alex, obviously. That pitcher almost looks like a normal size glass in Glover's big old paw. But my big takeaway from this funny picture is that if you want to look young, just sit next to Glover. Because, like, Alex is, like, 36 years old. But in this picture, he literally looks 18. I know, dude. And so over on the Fight HQ Discord show, I asked for people to caption a photo. Here's some of the, uh, the responses. This is how I'd finish my hot chef. Next one. I thought you were trying to make weight in beer. Dad, you're embarrassing me. I can't believe you already submitted me. Yeah. Another one says, I'll knock him out in the first round. Just grab the double leg and take him down. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, the major dad energy. Is well, like, you have to describe Glover, the former champion. I know media day is today in Utah. If there was a media day today with Glover, how is this not the first question? Like, how is this? Hey, Glover, man, I don't know if you've realized this over on Instagram. You've kind of become a little viral with this photo. What was the conversation going on? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he got the wardrobe of Kirk Cousins. I mean, he just looks so dead. Okay, by the way, speaking of Kirk Cousins, I started watching that documentary quarterback on Netflix Holy crap, that is fucking excellent. It is excellent. It is really I, excellent. Dude, I was watching it with somebody, and they were like, so does Mariota make the same amount of money as Mahomes and Cousins? I go, no, not even close. Yeah, that documentary is not fair because, like, it's not fair to Marcus Mariota because we're following the greatest football player of all time, and we're also following Marcus Mariota. And it just, <laughs> it just got to suck. Yeah, I, I you you want to know my one takeaway from uh, I've watched the first two episodes. It's very evident they uh, made sure to edit out Jackson Mahomes as much as they could. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like if Jackson was in charge of the crime or whatever, I don't really know what's happening with him. I think he got charged with crimes or something. Oh, sexual um, assault. Yeah, so that's crazy. I feel like if that didn't happen, he probably would have been a big part of the show, and I'm sure he went to all the games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if a dude gets charged with sexual assault, like, obviously, like, I mean, the bare minimum is ex excluded from the show. He needs to, you know, face the justice system. But for someone who's like a social media influencer, uh, yeah, I mean, that makes all the sense in the world. But, yeah, it seems like all these dudes are good dads, you know, good, good for them. Or I guess Marcus uh, is soon to be dead. Uh, well, I'm sure he's a dad now. But, uh, 
yeah, LS, the, he's, his wife's been pregnant for um, a year and a half, which would be pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, overall, I've enjoyed it as well. All I got to say is a hat tip to the people who like edit the shows because like it's amazing how they get everything all mic'd up perfectly for like like whenever they're talking about something, you see the play, you see the mic up. It, it's um, the way they put that show together. You don't really think about it because it's flawless. But I'm sure the amount of time it took to put together that show is just astronomical. Yeah, that, that's obviously them working with NFL Films. Um, you know, and for people who've been a long time listening to the show, they, they know that I, I work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Railway Network, and, and I've seen NFL Films go in before the game and how they how they mic up the shoulder pad. You think everybody is mic'd up? No, no, not everybody. Usually, two to three players. So, give you a little hat tip. You want you want to know how you hear the cadence call? How. The center's mic'd up. Okay. But is the, is the quarterback mic'd up? Not necessarily. Sometimes, yes. Not necessarily. But that, Damn, that's how you, that's how you hear that, 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 that cadence call. Like, you know, there's, certain, there's certain quarterbacks that you just know their voice. Like Mahomes, he's got a very clear cadence call. Back in the day, Cam Newton, he was really loud. Really loud. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I just feel like when I watch these NFL film shows – it feels like so many guys are mic'd up because like we're getting that sound from like several, like we're always getting it from like key offensive and key defensive players. Yeah. And that list gets long. Like, yeah, and, and part of what I do is I, I'm recording our broadcast for NFL films. You know, you, you will probably find this interesting, but what I do is, so I record in stereo. So my play by play announcer is on the left channel. My color commentator is on the right channel. Oh, Wow. So you can hear. So, so in post editing, you don't have any talk over. That's a great idea. That's a great concept. Uh, I think the other thing is like that's got to be so hard to sync up the nat- the uh, audio with like different video shots in post production. Uh, like that just seems. I don't I think know. When, I think once once you know what highlights you're going for, I don't think it's it's too difficult. But like, yeah, I guess you're right. Because I, like, I, right. I do, I, I do that with my video editing. Because usually, like when I record a fighter interview, by the way, got two fighter interviews coming out this week. Uh, talk to Damon Jackson, who's going to be a part of UFC Nashville. By the way, crazy part about uh, Damon Jackson. So he's been back in the UFC since 2020. This is going to be the first time he fights in front of fans since 2018. That's an amazing statistic. That's literally five freaking years. Holy yeah, it was crap. his last fight in front of fans was in LFA. Wow. That's a hell of a stat, brother. Hell Dude, of yeah. a stat. Yeah, and he's uh he's coming out to um Tennessee whiskey to to play up to the crowd. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, and, uh, and, that's, he, and that's he basically he 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 noted that he's very hopeful that he can uh, be on Broadway after the fight's over and uh, you know party the night away. Anyone who's been in Nashville knows Nashville is a party city. You like to party? Yeah. Go to Nashville. I, I hope he's going to be able to party. He's got a tough opponent, Billy Q, bro. I, I feel like those two are going to throw down. Uh, that Nashville card, actually, um, it looks pretty good. looks pretty good. I'm excited for it, you know, a little, a little, a little hat tip to the future. Not not the most, not the greatest fight night card, but, yeah, it's a lot yeah, of England card. A card that went through a change this week with uh, Umar Namagameda pulling out to the injury, Rob Font who's supposed to fight on the Boston show, now going to be in the main event here in a catchweight match of 140 pounds against Corey St. Hagen's a big opportunity for him. Uh, before we kind of get into some other things going on in, in mixed martial arts, you know, our social media algorithms just kind of simply know things. And I saw this meme the other day 
uh, come up uh, come up on, on Sunday morning, and this meme was it said, "Stop being afraid to spend money. You go out and spend a hundred dollars on good food and drinks. So what? You had a good time with friends. You travel and spend one thousand. So what? These are experiences that you'll never forget. Time is precious, so live your best life. You can always get back money back, but you can never get back time. And I, I saw that, Daniel. It was one of those, those memes you see. I was like, God damn, I can relate." to that meme. There's been a lot of things that have happened in my life the last two months. I'm super appreciative of the people that have been in my inner circle that have really, uh, you know, been there for, for the ups and downs for me over the last two months. And there's certainly people that uh, I wish would, would get back in that inner circle. But uh, it's one of those memes I just saw and I was like, damn, I can relate so much to that. Yeah, I can relate to, you know, it's important to, sometimes you get the monotony of your daily routine and all those days are really forgettable because it's the same thing over and over again. You wake up, you drink your coffee, which I will do until I die because coffee is amazing. But uh, you go to work, I go to the gym, go to sleep. And I'm not going to remember a single of those days two years from now. But you do something a little different, you're going to remember that. You go hang out with your buddies, you're going to remember that. You're going to feel good. You go out and wrestle a wrestling match. I remember all eight of my wrestling matches at this point, you know, so those memories are great. I will say it's important to save money. You know, I'm waiting for my paycheck this week because I really need it. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> so, so be fiscally responsible is what I'll say. But also balance that out with living your life each and every week because you never know how long you never know how long you're going to have. I mean, crap. I mean, uh, I work for the news currently, and I mean, I literally went to go cover a story about an 18 year old high school senior who died because he got shot from a stepdad and that kid is 10 years younger than me and I spoke to his coach I spoke to his friends and it's a reminder you never effing know what's going to happen in this world so go out there live your life hang out with your buddies and uh, you know have some fun you know my mindset currently. My mindset is simply, let's go out and have a good effing time. And uh, I had a good time Saturday. You know, I was out with some buddies, and they were like, hey, it got, it got a little late at night. It's like, hey, let's go there. I was like, ah, I don't think it's a good spot for me to go. And then, I don't know, 30 minutes later, I was like, effing, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just you know, I, I just hope you keep your shirt on, my man. Just keep your shirt trust, on. Trust me, the shirt is staying on. You, right. you do not got to worry about that. The shirt is staying on. By the way, speaking of your professional wrestling journey, uh, what's going on, man? I know our listeners love to kind of uh, hear about uh, what's uh, happening with your professional wrestling career. No, it's good. Um, let's see. I, I started writing down my matches because somebody told me to do it so I can keep track of, like, whenever I have, like, my 100th match. So I'm currently at, I want to say, as, as I told you, eight matches. So eight matches. I have eight matches under my belt. Um, last week, I was in a six-man tag team match. The funny story about that one is, like, I'm a good guy in that match, and I'm wrestling bad guys. And uh, one of the guys' name is Danny Chance, and my name is Danny Ismael. So usually, you, you as a good guy, he's talking crap to the crowd, and I usually will be like, say the guy's first name and sucks. Like if I'm with you, I'll be like, Jason sucks. Get the crowd going. Yeah. But I can't, I can't get a Danny sucks chant. Cause that's also my name. Right. 
Uh, so his last name, Chance, doesn't really have the same rhythm as Danny Sucks. Chance Sucks. It, it, but I still tried it. The crowd worked, uh, liked it, and it worked. Uh, the match itself was pretty fun. I did actually win. I think I won like twice now, so there you go. Uh, my team won. It was a fun match. And then on Saturday, if you are a hardcore wrestling fan, you will recognize this name. If you're more of a mainstream, you won't because he wasn't. he's not in WWE. He's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But in the Houston area, um, in Pasadena specifically, I went up to a pro wrestling seminar hosted by Rocky Romero. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. I learned so much. The dude's a legend in the wrestling circles. I mean, he literally went to wrestle in Mexico City, I want to say, uh, in a big arena the night before. Flew in. And then Saturday morning in Houston taught us how to wrestle. I stayed for the show and I watched him. And then, of course, this upcoming week, on Saturday, I have a match. So I'm going to watch the match. I'm going to do my match, tear down the ring, and then stay away from my phone. I don't want to see any spoilers for UFC. Um, so stay away from my phone. Good luck. And, uh, I, I just stay away. I, I do a good job. Just don't text me the result, bro. Let me text you. I, I, I look. I always try to make sure. Usually, I'll wait for you to text me to say something. I go, okay, it's now clear to kind of have this conversation. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I am because I actually do a stellar job. I don't get any notifications on my phone ever. Wow. And uh, look, at yeah, you, you are you are definitely not a millennial. I do not let my phone dictate my attention span. I realize how little attention I have. And here's my here's my philosophy on life for anyone listening. Pay attention to your focus and what you're focusing on. If you are consistently looking at all these a million things, I believe you will not be as efficient uh, than if you are just focused on one thing. And I struggle with that because literally everything we got is engineered to get our attention away. We have had all these like scientists or whatever, or technical experts designing threads and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to get our attention, fight for our attention. But if we can battle against that just a little bit, I think we'll be a little happier and things we'll do will be better. But Dude. it's impossible. It's impossible. It, it's just funny you say that because literally last night as I'm laying in bed, I'm like, I got to put the phone down. Otherwise, I'm going to sit on TikTok for the next hour just watching yeah. videos. Yeah, it's 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 um, TikTok is the worst for reals. I love TikTok. I do because it's it's entertaining. But I will always tell myself like, hey, you are going to only watch five TikToks and then you have to go to bed. And I'm like five more. Five more. It's five. I, it's it's <laughs> tough. It's it's never uh it's it's never what I say. It's never. I mean, I, I just try to do five because I know if I don't put a cap. And and by the way, I don't listen to the five. But if I don't put a cap, I'll be there forever because that's the whole algorithm. It gets you. You get in the algorithm. Oh, I know, bro. <laughs> Trust me. Sometimes, and you you talk about how Big Brother just knows what's going on in your life. And sometimes there I, there was literally a time about two days ago. I was going through some things and the TikTok videos were all related to this thing. And I was just like, I, I can't do this. I, I literally put the phone down. I'm like, no, this is, this is not good. This is not, this is not good for my mental state. So I was like, yep, nope, nope, nope. Put that, put that down. But, uh, but you know what? It was, it was really nice on Saturday afternoon to sit there and, and watch some fights in, in the afternoon with UFC London. I mean, look, Tom Aspinall. Oh, I mean, good Lord. I mean, you, you didn't know what to expect from Tom because it was his first fight in a year since that injury against Curtis Blades, and boy, did he look amazing. But 
you know, with all the talk about after this of, you know, where, you know, he, you know, obviously his, his post-fight interview, he's talking about wants to get the winner uh, of gone and speed back. And then once a, you know, after that take on John Jones, potentially for the heavyweight title. And, and as I was sitting here thinking about it, even though this fighter is coming off a loss and Tom Aspinall has now jumped him in the heavyweight rankings. And I understand that he has a fighting style that people don't love, but are we all just forgetting about Curtis blades? Yeah. And the loss is like related to Tom getting an injury. So that's a like that's actually a really good rematch, bro. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't we didn't get the conclusion in their last fight. The thing is, the one pushback is what you already said, Jason. Is I look at Tom Aspinall, he comes out, he shows his hands against Marcin Tibera, and it's like I want to see this dude stand and trade with Gunn. I want to see this dude stand and trade with Stipe, with Spivak, with Jones, Curtis is the great wet blanket of the UFC. He's going to put you down on your back. He's going to out-wrestle you. So that would be the one pushback, Jason, is the fighting style of Curtis Blades. I don't want it to ruin the great happy times I get when I watch Tom Aspinall fight. And, dude, dude, congrats. It's so hard to recover from the type of injury Tom did. And he did it, and he looks just as good. Dude, he he looks amazing, and like, look, he, you know, Curtis Boyd is coming off that loss of Sergey Pavlovich, so, but it, it was just one of those things of after in the aftermath. I was like, are we just kind of forgetting that Curtis Boyd is still? I mean, yes, I understand that Curtis Boyd may not be the most exciting fighter to watch, but boy, he looked great. Uh, Molly McCann. So after the fights are over, she announces that she's moving down the straw weight, mentioning about how look, I, I got to fight against fighters who are who are my size. I'm sitting there going, Molly, you, you do understand that. I don't think weight had to do with why you lost this matchup. It was technique. Like you knew you were going against somebody that their arm bar is their go-to move. And she needed a less than a round to do it. Yeah. I mean, it felt like less than a minute whenever things got going on the ground. Um, it was, a, it was technique. That was the issue. It kind of feels like for Molly, unfortunately, things are starting to just kind of like, you know, that story, I'm not, I'm not big into, is it Cinderella where like you, she uh, talks to like some witch and I don't really know the Cinderella story, but isn't she like in this chariot and it turns into a pumpkin? Is that Cinderella? She like leaves, she like takes this thing to the ball and it's like this nice, like little like chariot. And then all of a sudden it's 12 o'clock and it becomes a pumpkin. I have not You're watched not a big Cinderella so long, guy. bro. I, I could, <laughs> You're probably right, but I have not watched that movie so, in so long. That's kind of what and, happened. And I can't, that's kind of what's happened, right, with Molly is, like, it was amazing. I thought she was going to be one of the biggest stars in women's MMA. She has the personality for it. And it kind of feels like things are turning into a pumpkin now, which is not her fault. It's just, like, that's, this sport is brutal. This sport is hard. I don't know if you saw the clip or not. So Patty Pimblett was doing a, a Q&A with fans on uh, Friday of last week. Yeah. You talk about this only happens in MMA. Fan comes up, asks a question. And he asked Patty, so have you hooked up with uh, Molly? <laughs> Patty goes, hey, man, um, you know she's lesbian and married, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and he goes, hey, you know I'm married. Yeah, yeah, and 
That's awesome for Patty to say it like that. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, a B, you're exposing yourself as not being a true fan if you don't know that. Um, but also, you're exposing yourself being an idiot if you ask that question. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, Molly's now, I mean, she's now six and five in the UFC. I mean, look, she has dynamic hands, but clear deficiency when it comes to the grappling. Uh, Paul, Paul Craig, man, goes out there, oh. wins his middleweight debut. Hey, Paul. Stay at middleweight, man. We've seen you at light heavyweight. You're just not big enough with those boys. You need to be at 185. Yeah, I mean, even against Andre Muniz, it, it, Andre looked big there. But um, that was a fun fight. I mean, I loved the first moments before the fight even started when Bruce Buffer was doing the introduction and Muniz and, and Craig were just nose to nose and Bruce Buffer was literally responsible for separating them, which is like I think the commission probably should have stepped in a lot earlier. Because a situation like that is just begging for something crazy to happen. I'm glad you mentioned about the the regulatory side of this event. And, and I sent this text to a couple of people. And so, and, and literally my response on the, I quoted this tweet to somebody in text. And I said, does this guy think he's smarter than Mark Ratner? And I know I tend to more rail on this guy more times than not. And so it was in relation to the Joe Alvarez and Mark Casey matchup where there, there's a clear headbutt, should have been stopped, whatnot. And Tony Cummings, the executive director of the Colorado Commission, goes, headbutt in a fight-inning sequence is self-regulation with no appeal rights a good idea. Tony Cummings, do you fucking think you're smarter than Mark Ratner? Like, Seriously. Like, bro, you got commission shot by one championship. Like, Mark, I, I, I saw the tweet, and I just I couldn't believe what I read. I was like, this guy clearly thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And, boy, I can only imagine what this weekend in Las Vegas when Tony Cummins walks up and he realizes he probably doesn't have a lot of friends. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that ABC meeting, without a doubt. I mean, a lot has happened in the past year. And it'll be interesting to see what plays out. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, smartest guy in the room energy for sure. And usually those people aren't the smartest. Yeah, no, I, I just I saw that. I, I just couldn't believe it there. But I would love to see Paul Craig stay at, at middleweight. Uh, when you talk about some of the other uh, things at, at UFC London that um, – that stuck out to me, uh, you know, looking at, uh, as I'm pulling up the Parsons Roberts, I think is the other thing that stood out. Oh, I yeah. Think that was yeah, a hell of a fight. But, dude, for real, this card sucked. Like, like for real, it was like, we just got to call it how it is. Okay. This All was right. not fun to watch. Early on in the fight, you got Ash Moose, who's literally fighting with one arm, somehow stays in the fight, where there's this interaction in this corner, like, hey, man, throw combinations. Like, uh, yeah, I can't. My arm broke. At that point, <laughs> um, call the fight, bro. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, um, I didn't necessarily agree with the Marcos and Davy Grant very close fight, but I thought Davy Grant um, won that matchup there. Uh, Nathaniel Wood, Andre Feely was another uh, back and forth fight. Uh, if you if you didn't get a chance to yeah. watch that one, I would go back and watch that. But uh, to me, UFC London was all about uh, Tom Aspinall. But of course, uh, coming up this weekend, UFC two ninety one, the B and Let's go <laughs> on the Let's line. Let's go! We're good fights. Sorry, I mean, look. It, it is – this fight card, I, I think, is tremendous. And, and we, we've talked about this so many times where when the UFC puts on these pay-per-view events, they're just they're, – they're solid. I mean, the, like, the main event, I mean, how, how does this not deliver? I mean, these two guys here, – here's, to me, the crazy thing about 
the main event. I did not realize until I started looking at this. You realize it's been five years since these guys fought? The last time they fought, the UFC was on Fox. Yeah, um, 2018 is a lot longer than it seems. It, it is a lot longer than it seems. And uh, even though Dustin Poirier won the last fight, the only thing you can take away from their last fight and you can apply here is that they're probably going to have the fight of the night. This one is up in the air. But I guarantee you, when they hand out a fight bonuses, this will be the fight of the night. The only way this isn't the fight of the night is if somebody gets slept in like ten seconds. Yeah. No. You, this you, could be for the this could be for the lightweight championship of the world. I mean, neither of these guys are better than Islam, but this is a lightweight championship caliber fight. You would expect that the winner of this matchup is going to be the the, the fighter that gets the winner of Islam and Charles. Of course, going to happen at UFC two ninety four. I mean, like when I think about this main event, is I do believe. Dustin Poirier is a better overall mixed martial artist, but I don't know what it is. I've just got this gut feeling that Gus, Justin Gaethje is going to pull this off on Saturday night. I do too. I do too. I haven't made my pick. I'm making it a little bit, but I do too. I think the biggest thing is just the diversity of strikes Justin Gaethje brings to the table. It, it, I really feel like leg kicks are going to play a role later on in this fight, but I also feel like this one's going to go 25 minutes. And when I look at the fight style of these two, I think Justin is more likely to steal rounds with strikes that rock Dustin and very clearly could nearly end the fight, which would in turn maybe give him those rounds when you look at the dredging criteria. So that's kind of the case. I mean, this is a race. I mean, think about how good both these guys looked last time out. Think about Poirier against Chandler. Think about Justin against freaking Raphael Fazeev. When we thought Fazeev was going to go out there and send Justin Gaethje to the pastor, and Justin pulled out his best league corso and said, not so fast, my friend. I still want that championship. Yeah, I mean, it's – and I think we've seen the evolution of Justin Gaethje where there was a time where, I mean, look, he he was a wild man, and he was going to go out there. and But to me, I think the longer the fight goes, the more it does favor Dustin Poirier, I mean, like to me, it's a coin flip fight. I'm actually kind of surprised that Dustin Poirier is as big of a favorite. I mean, he's minus one fifty betting favorite, plus one twenty five for Justin Gaethje. I mean, to me, it's it's kind of like I would probably put this like minus one twenty, maybe minus one fifteen for Dustin Poirier. But I mean, like, look, it's it should be a hell of a matchup. And if you're looking to get your your friends into mixed martial arts, to me, this is the fight that you bring them out to. Um, you know, co-main event. Uh, Light heavyweight title liminaire, probably most likely between these two guys. And if you're out, Jan Bohovich, first off, the game plan has to be clear, Daniel. I mean, it has to be clear. Take this thing to the ground. Do not have a kickboxing matchup with the kickboxer. Absolutely. I think if this stays standing, Alice is going to knock him out in the first round. And this is a guy who's only been finished by strikes twice. But if this stays standing, Alex wins. I guess my question to you is, do you think Jan's going to be able to bring it down to the ground? That to me is the is the big question mark, and uh, I I just don't know. I mean, it, it's it, we we've seen the the struggles, but also I think you look at look, what Jan Blachowicz was able to do uh, against Adesanya when Adesanya came up to two hundred and five pounds to, to fight for the title. I, mean, I think that has to be the mindset. But like, if this thing plays out on the feet range, I think this is Alex fights to lose. And uh, I, I think if if you were asking the UFC and they were giving an honest answer. I think their hope is Alex wins, and then they could do a vacant light heavyweight title matchup between Alex and Yuri. Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. I um, 
if I'm locking in my picks for the co-main event and the main event, Alex is just a much more exciting pick to make. You know it's going to be exciting if he wins. Jan feels like the sensible pick because whenever you have a high-level mixed martial arts fight, which is a very, very, very clear path to victory for one dude, which is putting Alex on his back, and a guy who's a former champion who has the skills in his arsenal, who has a win over the former middleweight champion, Adesanya, as you mentioned, the sensible smart pick is picking Jan. But I'm feeling wild. I'm picking Alex via first-round knockout. I'm picking Poirier via decision, too. So my two picks are Poirier via decision, Alex via knockout. But just to circle back, this is the ultimate fight card for your casual fan. This is the one you want to get him in on, on, on the couch with you or at the bar with you to show him what you love about this sport. I mean, main event, I keep going back and forth. Like, my brain says Dustin Poirier. Just because I think he's just a better overall mixed martial arts. And, you know, it's not a huge gap between these two guys. But, like, there's something tells me Gaethje pulls this off. And um, I, I, I forget who I saw tweeted this. But they they felt that if Gaethje doesn't get the win on, on Saturday night, that maybe this could be the final fight of Justin Gaethje's career. I mean, I, I highly doubt that. But official pick. Oh, man. I'm going to go with my gut. I think Justin Gaethje pulls it off. Also, I, I do like Alex Pahea in the co-main event. Uh, look at the rest of his main card. Steven Thompson against Michelle Pahea. Oh, my goodness. Like, stylistically, this could be a fun matchup. I'm also <sighs> concerned that we have too much counter-striking going on, and it's not as exciting as we're hoping. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a real, real possibility, especially with Steven Thompson. He fights smart. Michelle doesn't really fight smart. Um on the feet compared to Steven though. Like he might be a little crazy. So it's going to be up to Pereira to make sure this one's exciting. I think it's going to be in the middle. I think what we're going to have is several really entertaining exchanges balanced out with a lot of inactivity, a lot of like, ooh, ooh, faint, faint, faint. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to have some explosions that are exciting. Um, I, I, I like Thompson to win this fight. Uh, again, I, I think it's going to be captivating. I think the over-under on the takedowns has definitely got to be 0.5. I mean, do we see a takedown in this fight? Uh, only unless someone gets rocked. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I can't see that happen. I was just going to log in the prize picks and see if they put up What's the What's the odds there? What's the odds there, brother? Uh, I'm pulling up prize picks right now. I would imagine there is not a takedown prop up on this matchup. Uh, <laughs> Let's go over the old takedowns. Uh, yeah, there is not a takedown prop. In- interesting takedown prop on Dustin Poirier over in prize picks. Half takedown. I think that might be a more play. That might be a more play. Okay, here's the, fo- here's the actual prop. This is for your sick. We're going to do this. and uh, actually, I, It's not even a prop. I'm going to let you set the line, and then you can pick over under. Okay. On the entire main card, Poirier, Gaethje, Pereira, Beyond, Thompson, Pereira, Ferguson Green, Chiesa Holland. Mm-hmm. How many takedowns are we going to see on the entire main card, Jason? What would be a fair over-under? Ooh, that's a good one. Three and a half? Three and a half for the entire main card? That is an awful one. There's I mean, no okay. way it's going to okay. go over right, than three and a half. All right. Do not expect do not expect a takedown in Thompson and Michelle. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Tony Ferguson. I mean, Ferguson would, could go to the path. Bobby, Bobby Green's always had good takedown defense. 
I mean, Kiesa Holland and Blahovich and Alex are the two fights you look at and say those are the fights that have the highest probability of takedowns. But you got to think there's going to be at least one takedown in KG Poirier, probably more, because you're talking about a 25 minute fight. Like, all right, let's say, let's say, say you set the number five and a half. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's fair. Let's get, let's, let's take a look at that in hindsight next week if we don't forget things. Yeah. But, uh, because at the end of the day, these pay per views are usually signed up with dudes who aren't going to take each other down. Like this main card looks like dudes who are going to stand in trade. Seriously, like you look at all those fights, it's like these are just going to be right. barn burgers. If I would have told you three years ago, Bobby Green will be a four to one betting favorite over Tony Ferguson, you would have said, Jason, you're fucking high. <laughs> Jason, stop smoking crack. Um, yeah, Bobby Green's like. It, it, it's stunning. And, I mean, it's not even like Bobby Green was, looks that good recently. Um, I will put money on Tony Ferguson to beat Bobby Green. Call me crazy. But um, I, I I just – here's the thing. Here's the thing. Tony Ferguson has looked really bad for a while now. But when I look at Bobby Green at this point in his career as that big of a favorite, I just want to fade him. You got to go back to June eighth, 2019. The last time Tony Ferguson won a fight, he has lost five in a row. TKO loss to Justin Gaethje. Decision loss to Charles Oliveira. Decision loss to Bill Darius. Second round knockout to Michael Chandler. Fourth round submission loss to Nate Diaz. And we, we talk about this all the time. Of we never know when the downside of a fighter's career is going to happen. But we have seen that with Tony Ferguson. And it's also, it wasn't that long ago, we have a TMZ article on Tony Ferguson getting a DUI. I I, I just I I don't know how you pick Tony Ferguson. I, I at this point in his career, I don't know how you have any faith in him. I yeah, mean, clearly, I if Ferguson yeah. loses this fight, his days in the UFC are over. It, it, but he's a guy that I don't think will ever retire. He'll probably be in BKFC immediately. Look, look, Jason. You got to be a big idiot to pick Tony Ferguson to beat Bobby Green. I'm picking Tony Ferguson to beat Bobby Green. I'm doing it. I'm a big idiot. I'm a big idiot. Look, even when he, even when it was like a no contest with Jared Gordon, like Bobby Green still looked pretty good on the feet. Like I, he kind of did knock out Jared feet. Gordon twice in that fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. To be fair, he headbutted him though. He did headbutt him, which clearly rocked him. Uh, so I'm not going to give him credit for that. So Bobby Green has looked like a really solid lightweight, but I don't know, man. I just uh, something something is telling me Tony Ferguson at 39 years old is somehow going to do it. And this is probably one of the stupidest picks I've made in a long time, but I'm picking Ferguson to win. Give me Bobby Green. Uh, Kiesa Holland is a fascinating matchup. Me and Pete were talking about this last week on, on Fight HQ. Do you think uh, – do you think Dana White's phone says uh, Kevin Holland when Kevin Holland calls, or do you think it says Big Mouth? Oh, Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Here's here's another debate. Is there anyone Kevin Holland's going to fight with at fight week? Is he going to get in a fight with with the – the odds-on favorite has to be Alex Pereira, right? Uh, I don't know. Why do I see him and Bobby Green just shit-talking each other? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the odds-on favorite. That's the odds-on favorite. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Holland's always out here setting up fights he's not actually booked for in this fight week. 
Yeah, I mean, hell, he was trying to fight three weeks ago. <laughs> if you're Michael Chiesa, you got to be like, hey, bro, we're scheduled to fight three weeks. What are you doing? I know, dude. I know, man. And and the thing is, Kevin Holland's one of the most exciting dudes to watch, man. He's always fun. Uh, like Michael might take try and take him out of his element. But um, if it stays standing, I think it's pretty clear Kevin Holland is the favorite. Uh, ma- um, massive, massive reach advantage um, in, yeah, in this matchup. I, I mean, you know, Michael Chiesa, 75 and a half to 81. Um, you got to imagine if you're Michael Chiesa, it's about getting this fight to the ground. But yeah, if this fight's on the feet, I think it's Kevin Holland's fight to lose. Yeah, I'm going to pick Kevin to win this one. I think it's going to I think he's going to be able to keep it on the feet. It's just sometimes with him you worry about the chaos. You worry he gets lost in the chaos. But uh, I, I like Holland to win. I just think the dynamic and in, 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 in stand-up is just way too big of a gap at this point for Kiesa against Kevin. You know, when, when I look at the preliminary card, it's kind of crazy to see Derek Lewis sitting on the preliminary card as a plus 170 betting underdog against Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Um, you know, other things that uh, stick out to me, I'm interested to see CJ Vergara back in there. Uh, also, yep. the very first fight of the night, I want to see how Miranda Maverick bounces back after that loss, uh, taking on Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, Cachoeira clearly has to keep the fight on the feet, but um, when, when I think about things that intrigue me about this fight card in the prelims, what does Miranda Maverick look like? Benedict Smellsberg could be a kind of uh, very uh, sneaky, really good fight there. Fagara, we saw he did his last fight there. Um, and and what does the Black Beast look like? You know, at this point, I mean, I, I feel like if you were laying bets on who's going to retire in a post-fight interview, a lot of people might pick Derek Lewis. Yeah, I think so. That's a fair one, especially because Marcos de Lima is someone who can really put away people emphatically and uh, hit people hard. I think the Derek Lewis is the fight I'm looking forward to the most, and I'm looking at all the prelims for sure, Jason. I think overall it's it's a deep, deep prelims. I mean, Maverick does not have an easy test against Priscilla Cachuera. I mean, Cachuera's coming off two wins, and she hits really hard. It's a good fight. I think the number two fight I'm looking forward to is Vergara Salvador. I became a huge fan of CJ Vergara when his last win. Yeah. He just had so much heart. He showed it. Great promo ability. I loved it. And then number three, number three, five, I'm looking forward to the most. I think I'm just going to have to go with the headliner. I think Bonefiend, J- Trevin Giles, headliner for the prelims, is, is what I'm looking forward to the most. I, I'm a big fan of the Bonefiend brothers. Trevin Giles has performed well. And then, I mean, look, always keep an eye out for Jake Matthews. Yes, he is coming off that loss to Semmelsberger, who's lower on the card for some reason. But I always get excited for Jake Matthews. He's always showed so much promise. He's going up against Darius Flowers at welterweight. Now, one of the things that I want to talk to you, and this is a topic that you brought up to me with the BMF title on the line, is the baddest MFers in MMA history. How does the conversation not start with Fedor? It's a great conversation starter. He is the essence of being a badass. The less you say, the more you do, the more badass you are. And here's an example of this. I saw this over on TikTok, and this is Rampage Jackson talking about the hardest hitters he's ever faced. Like, who's the heaviest hitter you've ever been hit by? I, I, I always said Kevin Randleman, but... Uh, wow. I'm, Out of I'm, everybody you fought, that's the guy you choose? No, until I, my last fight, Fedor. Oh. Fedor hit me with oh, a punch. Oh, Fedor is like a legend, though. I, I never even saw that punch coming. Never even saw it. Fedor reigned for like 20 years. That guy's yeah. like such a legend he's, in the game. He's, he's my favorite fighter. Really? Yeah, I love watching him fight. Why is that? Because the way he fights, no, no nonsense, bro. Listen, when he fought Kevin Randleman, Kevin Randleman slammed him on his neck. And in a paper the next day, the Japanese paper, and they put it in 
they 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 took pictures of him mm-hmm. frame by frame they showed Fedor upside down in the air getting slammed frame by frame and his facial expression never changed he just he's a stone cold killer stone cold like like that's not human bro no and uh <laughs> i mean look that to me is the conversation's got to start with Fedor but then when i was thinking about other fighters to throw in there how do you not throw john jones in there He's fought a, a title matchup since 2012. It's 2023. Yeah, yeah, he, he, that's a good one. I think you could throw in the dude we just saw in there, bro. The dude we just saw talking about Fedor. Rampage. Badass. Badass. I mean, to me, it's a combination of greatness, but also just like that badass vibe. Like, the, the, the short answer is literally who is the greatest BMFers of all time? It's probably just the Diaz brothers. They're that perfect combination of talent level and just badass vibes. I think another one, here's an old school name that we don't talk enough about. And he belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame and he's never fought in the UFC. Igor Volchanchin um, is is a name that is very important to the early days of of, uh, MMA. Just think about this. Let's look at Wikipedia. He's the uh, holds the second longest unbranded streak in MMA at 37 fights and has the second most knockouts basically at of at a 41 knockouts. But when he started off his career in 1995, I mean this guy was just unbeatable, running through people, knocking people out. Was a major figure in Pride throughout Pride's existence. So Igor, oh sorry, Igor Volchanchin. It's a name we don't talk about enough and a name I should probably do a deep dive on so we can talk about him on the podcast because he, to me, is is a name that's not mentioned, but he, to me, is like the original badass of mixed martial arts. How about also Anderson Silva? Oh, oh, Anderson is a good one. Like you think I mean, about, like I think, I mean, literally, he beat Force Griffin so bad, Force ran to the back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you think the awesome. the front the front kick to Vitor Belfort's face that is always going to be a part of the UFC highlight reel. Like there, there's so like there's I, I'm just I'm looking at over here on Tapology. You think about the the knockout against Rich Franklin. Either one of them you want to pick there. Um, you know you mentioned about the Forrest Griffin one, the Vitor Belfort one. I mean obviously at, once the Chris Wyman fights happened, everything went, went downhill for him. But when you think about that prime Anderson Silva, he's got to be another guy you talk about his badass mother efforts to ever do this. Yeah, I mean, also when you talk about former champions, you gotta throw in Chuck Liddell's name. Yes, he is the essence of a badass. And whenever he was the Ice Man knocking people out, he was probably the baddest man on the planet for a point in time. Jason, uh, I think you also gotta look at his contemporaries in Brazil. Vanderlei Silva is also a name you gotta bring up. Shogun Hua is also a name. I mean, basically everyone in Shootbox was a badass. You think about that run that he had from 2004 all the way to, to 2006. I mean, people love Chuck Liddell. And I've, I've talked about this on the podcast. When he lost to Rampage Jackson in, in the UFC, the place I was at, you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, Chuck Liddell was like, I mean, he wasn't Conor McGregor level superstar, but like he was the guy. I mean, people love Chuck Liddell. And I'll never forget when Rampage knocked him out, I mean, the place went silent. And that's just something you like when you know when you go and I, and I found myself really recently enjoying more going out to watch pay-per-views and it, it's more about seeing how people are reacting to the fights. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome, and it's it's a, you're able to see who as a star that you may not have realized who is connecting with fans that you may not have realized. It gives you an edge on identifying those fighters who, who for some reason or another, connect to fans, right? You, you go to an early fight, you see a Derek Lewis promo talking about pooping his pants. You get to see that people relate to that. Yeah. Dude, I, I saw that. That clip came up like somewhere on my social media time frame over the past couple days. But really looking forward to UFC 291. Of course, also on Saturday night, while the UFC pay review is going on, we got the Bellator versus Ryzen 2 show taking place over there in Japan. And of course, I mentioned right at the beginning of the show, wake up to the news the fact that we got some changes with this fight card as AJ McKee is out of the event as uh, due to medical reasons. So now the Ryzen champion is stepping in here. And I want to pull up the press release. On this one, as uh, here he is, got my guy CJ who sent it over to me. Uh, so uh, Roberto Satoshi de Souza replacing AJ McKee to take on Patricky Pitbull in the quarterfinals of the lightweight Grand Prix. Also, and it says this right here in the press release in a surprising addition, Bellator champion Patricky Pitbull joins the extravaganza against Japanese kickboxer sensation Chachihiro Suzuku. That'll be a part of the rising card, and this event will air live 11 p.m. Eastern time here on Showtime. By the way, the matchup in the main event with uh, with Patricky Pitbull will be at a uh, contract weight of 161 pounds. Will still be a five round matchup. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was kind of doing some prep for this show. Is obviously there's a lot of things going on with Bellator that's not really related to the fights, and like I felt like no one is really talking about the fact of oh hey by the way we're we're putting the inaugural flyweight title on the line with Koji Horiguchi. Yeah, well, the thing is, you go to a casual fan and you ask them, who is Koji Horiguchi fighting this Saturday? And you're not going to get a single person to tell you Shinru. No way. No way. No way. Not a single person is going to be like, oh, yeah, Makoto Shinru is who he's fighting. And I think Shinru is like a dope fighter, 16-1-1, blue hair. I don't know anything about him, uh, but I feel like he's probably good. But we'll see. I, I should probably should have done my research on, on this dude. There's just so much time in the world. I just haven't done it. But I'll watch this fight. I feel like he's probably going to lose to Kyoji Horiguchi. I'm going to watch this fight card, Jason. Is it as good as the last Ryzen fight card? I mean, no, not really. But it's also a good fight card because literally, like, every fight has somebody that I'm interested in, right? Like Sabatello Magomedov. Yeah. Kana Watanabe's on this card. Koreshkov Larkin is a hell of a fight. Patricky and Patricio. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited, buddy. I'm excited. I'll be sitting at the bar, and uh, you know they'll have the UFC on TV, and uh, I'll have Bellator on the phone. I'm, I'm, when does this air live? 11 p.m. Eastern time. Saturday night? Correct. On Showtime? Correct. Hell yes, yeah, so I'm going to record it. Because I'm definitely not going to watch it live, but if I was only because like I gotta wake up at like six a.m. and like you know go to the gym and then hang out with my girlfriend, so it's gonna be Sunday a.m. MMA watching. But if I was single, that's a perfect time to watch it live. Like if you're watching the UFC and Bellator at the same time, and then you just go to sleep, I don't know, at one or two a.m. That's perfect. So I, I yeah, I salute Bellator for getting the time right on that. 
yeah, kudos to, to airing this thing live and, uh, you know, be interesting to see how that one uh, does play out. Unfortunately, I mean, I was really looking to see AJ McKee, but we're not going to see uh, that one take place there. Uh, but as we kind of start to wrap up this episode of the podcast, talk about some news and notes. We already mentioned about the fact that Rob Font replacing the wrong Bay off versus Corey Sanhagen in the main event of UFC National. UFC 294 was announced. Islam Oliveira too. Hamzat Costa, the co-main event. Uh, Michael Page, by the way, showing up on the UFC broadcast. Mm. 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 That tells you a lot. <laughs> tells you a lot. Hey, it t- tells me that they're very interested. I did see uh, his manager, Adi Attar, who did an interview with MMA Junkie. Uh, you know, you know, say, hey, we're, we're going to see what's what's out there. Uh, also, you know, now looking like Connor's not going to compete until 2024. Still hasn't entered a USADA drug testing pool. We'll see how that, that one uh, does play out. Uh, I mentioned about the ABC hearing, and one thing, uh, annual meeting, starts on Saturday in Las Vegas, but one of the more interesting things to me that's on the agenda will be on Thursday morning, and on the agenda it says, Rise in MMA, discussion of different rules. And I talked to Mike Mazzulli about this a couple weeks ago when I saw that this was on the agenda, and he told me that Ryzen requested the ability to be able to talk to the regulatory body about their rule set. And I could be clearly well off here. And, and maybe I'm just I'm searching for things here when it comes to the future of Bellator. Couldn't. Could Ryzen be a player to buy Bellator? I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I have no information on this. Pure speculation on my part. Look, when you look at the close business relationship between Ryzen and Bellator, Bellator's for sale, that makes a lot of sense. So, yes, you're just speculating, but there's smoke to that fire. Here's another interesting thing that's going to take place on Thursday. And it is des- uh, designation of exhibition fights and what makes a pro bout, which we can tie into our, our final thing to talk about here in the story. Um, oh, God. Pat Militich is returning to competition 15 years away to take on Mike Jackson. And look, you know it's not a good sign when the press release, they have to indicate that it's a pro MMA matchup and under pro MMA rules. Probably not a good thing if you have to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah, that um, I first saw this on Bloody Oboe, and the headline was 55-year-old UC Hall of Famer returns for grudge match versus one-time CM Punk opponent. So they are just asking for clicks here, which they got. <laughs> they have that they, they got that's 180 things. But the 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 picture is Mike Jackson. So before I clicked it, I was like, who the F is Mike Jackson gonna fight? And honestly, Pat Militich would not have been like one of my first five guesses. I'm surprised Pat Militich is only 55 years old. I mean, Pat Militich looked 55 in the end of his career. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I love how I just Google Pat. I go to Pat Militich's Wikipedia, and it's just Pat Militich is married and has $3. He is also a Freemason. Like, like why is that just the second thing in his personal life? I'm actually surprised it has nothing to do with I don't know political things because I know he's a uh, he loves to talk politics. Oh, that's also in Wikipedia, but that's just personal <laughs> life. Also, geez, dude, in personal life, Pat Militich was arrested for a DUI in 2020, a DUI in 2018. Hey, man, stop drinking and driving. But um, yeah, he hasn't fought since 2008. Um, I think I don't even know who's going to win this fight. Because, like, on one hand, Mike Jackson isn't very good. On the other hand, Pat Militich is 55 and hasn't fought since 2008. Um, 
So I have no idea, dude. Uh, this fight probably shouldn't be happening, but whatever. It's in Iowa. I, I think that shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> it's in Iowa. All I got to say is the perfect audience for this fight is probably Rumble. <laughs> by, by the way, speaking of Rumble, I don't know yeah. if uh, you, you may have seen this. Um, so uh, let me pull it up. It's uh, from uh, John Morgan's Twitter account. Uh-huh. So uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission had a hearing yesterday. And one of these slap fighters uh, has been suspended by the commission, uh, Dane Vernice, if I spell that, if I said that correctly. Uh, the tweet from John Morgan tested positive for cocaine metabolite in screen associated with May 24th contest. NAC announces the Hawaiian hitman agrees to a nine-month suspension of fine of $750, administrative fee of $326 to, keep, to compete again in Nevada. Uh, he must test 30, 15, and three days out. Like, what is up with all these slap fighters? Should we really be drug testing slap fighters? No. I mean, maybe. Like, I mean, you probably don't want someone super juiced up slapping somebody who can't defend himself. Like, that could probably lead to something really bad. But you probably shouldn't suspend them for, for cocaine. I mean, not that, like, like, cocaine is awful. People shouldn't do cocaine. But, like, that's, like, a really weird thing to suspend an athlete for right you you mm-hmm. drug testing should be for performance enhancing drugs um yeah it's like when, when you think about recreational drugs getting punished that's more for like in my opinion like a employer employee setting yeah like mm-hmm. you're my employee abide by my drug use rules versus like a freelance slap fighter it's kind of weird but I digress. I mean, it, it's just funny. The headline of Slap Fighter, cocaine. Like, the, that headline alone is ridiculous. Because realistically, we're just talking. I mean, yeah. The dude was trying to have a good time in Vegas when trying to get some slaps in. Did he win his slap fight? Is he good at slap fighting or no? I have no idea. You can't look up his typology? You, you, you can't like look up his, his slapology? <laughs> you you act you act what? like I watched slap fighting. Come on, I, you tell me you're on. I, I, I remember the last time they had an event. I was like, maybe I should just download Rumble. I was like, maybe oh I should just God. do it. I didn't. I didn't. I thought about it, but like it is. What I find the most interesting thing about the whole power slap phenomenon here is Dana White's making UFC announcements wearing a power slap shirt, which I'm like, okay, but. It is very interesting to see how they're using very popular podcast hosts, bringing them into Vegas to help promote this. It's, I, I just find it interesting. And I don't, I don't know if it's ever a, a combat sport that we'll, we'll ever see on a traditional broadcast platform. I think it's always going to be kind of an internet-based thing. But... I think we all have to understand that there is an audience out there that wants to see this. I can't explain to you economics, right? I can't come out here and tell you that, that the, you know, is the economic policy of Nigerian President Bola Ahmed Tinubu working in the country? I, I can't explain that to you. I, I don't know economics, but I did take economics one time uh, in college. And one of the terms is um 
opportunity cost. And that one I kind of understood and everyone understands it. It's you're spending time doing something means it comes at a cost of not spending time doing another thing. And when I look at power slap, all I can think about is opportunity cost. The amount of promotion that has been put behind power slap. What if that promotion was put behind different fighters? Yeah. It's it's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, like if you're a UFC fighter, I would imagine behind the scenes there's probably a lot of them that think that way as well. Yeah. How could you and how I, could you how could you not? And and we know the UFC knows how to promote well, but for years, and this has been a strategy of the WWE as well, for years, the philosophy has been promote the brand. And honestly, I understand why, because they go and they put on just some fights each and every week, and we tune on like <laughs> UFC fight. <laughs> I like well, I watch I watch anything as long as it says UFC on there. It's like nah, bro. These are regional fights with a UFC banner on it, and we're watching each and every week. So I can't even blame them for their strategy because it appears to be working. It just kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean. I- like as a a consumer of the sport, you know, and, and I was having this conversation with with a friend the other day, and I said, it's just you look at these fight night cards, and yeah, it's them putting on fights. You know, they're they're fulfilling their their commitment to ESPN, but you know, there's a lot of times where you sit there and say, okay, am I am I going to sit at home, or you know, if it, if if it's a Saturday night, am I you know going to go out with my lady, or am I going to go out with my buddies? Am I going to go do whatever, what whatever. Whatever you enjoy doing. Like for me, going out and, and, and going out with my buddy Chris and, and, and throwing, you know, darts for an hour or two. You know, that you know, am I gonna sit at home and watch a UFC fighter go do that? More times than not, I'm gonna go go enjoy life and then watch the fights after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what you gotta do because there's a fight card every week and a lot of them aren't demanding your attention. But like seriously. Like, like April 29, 2023, UFC on ESPN, Song versus Ricky Samoa. If I tell you right now, Jason, tell me about one other fight on that fight card. You will not be able to tell me a damn thing. There's no way you're going to come out here and be like, oh, yeah. Um, without, me, without, without me going on tapology right now, yeah, I could yeah. not tell you. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need to look at the fight card to get a prompt to remember what happened on said fight card. But back in my day, I told you, hey, bro, fight for the troops. Oh, yeah, Corey Hill got that thing broken that one time. <laughs> oh, yeah, Akihiro Gono got knocked the F out, I think by Josh Koscheck. Could be wrong well, about that one. I, I tell you about a fight night, you'll remember. But I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact of we're, we're in a media consumption world now where it is about, you know, quantity as opposed to quality. I mean, obviously, with, with the, the strike that's going on right now, we'll see kind of what our content is going to be over, you know, the next year or so. But I, I think it's no different than, you know, kind of what I try to do on social media is you're trying to put out the, the most content that you can put out there, you know, to keep, you know, keep it out there. And I think that's what the UFC has done. I mean, it's that's where I think it's it's interesting to see what happens with Bellator three months from now, you know, are, are they, 
are they merged into, say, the PFL or another organization? Or um, as I had someone say to me, they thought that the best thing that could happen would be is that someone like, say, the Khan family bought Bellator and continued to run Bellator. But I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't seem likely that the Khan family wants to get in the MMA business. I mean, yeah. They obviously, they, they they have FU money. They could certainly do it if they wanted to. Um, I, I just, I ultimately feel that Bellator is either bought by Saudi Arabia, or it's it's a whether it's it's bought outright or it's a merger with the PFL. Yeah, also Ryzen, as you mentioned earlier. I think that's another that's another one. I think those are the three entities that have a real motivation. It, it, if you were Scott Coker. That's got to be the best. That would have to be your best path, if you if you if you're if you're Coker and want to stay in the MMA business. If you could if you could put a deal together to, for Ryzen to buy Bellator, I think that would be the best thing for Scott Coker. Because I, I just feel like I feel like if PFL buys Bellator, Scott Coker will not be a part of the equation. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like the PFL would think that their management could run the promotion, even though I think there's a lot of people, even people that people don't know who work for Bellator, that if you're a PFL, it would be very smart to bring those people in because they know how to, they know how to do things. They know how to work this landscape. Yeah. I think there's just too many cooks in the kitchen of PFL. If they acquire them and in Ryzen, there's just a lot more breathing room for someone like Scott Coker to maintain a management position. So I think your assessment is spot on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, it, it was like I got I got a DM this morning and was kind of talking about the whole Bellator event this week. And I mean, look, if you were going to put a a criticism behind the the current management of Bellator, is I think sometimes they do, they don't do well and do a good enough job in promoting and getting people aware of their fights. But I think it also being on Showtime just hurts them. I, I think it hurts being on Showtime because you're limited in who has access to watch. I will tell you this. So I get Showtime via Paramount Plus, and sometimes it is a struggle for me to find the content on the Paramount Plus app. I mean, I I, I love Paramount Plus so just because I, I watch a lot of like CBS shows, and being able to watch those shows without commercials is really beneficial for me. But sometimes trying to find things on Showtime, it's not the easiest app to navigate. Yeah, I think it's been hard to find Bellator since they were on Spike TV. That was a long time ago. Yeah. But I think that was the last time Bellator was really easily accessible to your common viewer. That's just my opinion. That's just how I felt. And at that point in time, Spike TV like mattered. And, and look, and there is a legitimate argument to say Bellator has the best middleweight fighter, has the best welterweight fighter in the world. Like there's a legitimate argument to say Yaroslav Amosov is the best 170 in the world, and there's a legitimate argument to say that potentially Johnny Eblen. You talk to anyone in American no, top team, I mean, American top team people will tell you Johnny Eblen is the best middleweight in the world. Yeah, I mean, now, that's now, what they'll okay. tell you. But now, do they have better. their Johnny Eblen blinders on? No question. No question they do. But yeah. if Johnny Eblen was in the UFC right now, I'd want to see him right in title matchup. Yeah, I mean, I would pick Izzy over him big time, but still, I mean, he's still undefeated. He still, you could make a case, but right. to me, there's a massive gap between Odd and Sonya and Eplin. Like, would you pick Amosov over Leon Edwards? It's a good fight. It's a good fight. I don't know. 
I think I'm. I think the problem is for Leon is maybe the matchup, but Leon's her. Le- Sir, uh oh, have, have a season doesn't... attack over there. The Lord doesn't want me to give you my opinion because he's making me sneeze. I think Leon is clearly the better welterweight when it comes to reputation because of his quality of wins. But you could top me into Amosov for utilizing his wrestling to steal a fight there. So it, it's a close fight, and it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Uh, and Debkoff is also a guy who has a you know, a case to be the best in his specific weight class. Dude, yeah, dude, you look at this this UFC light heavyweight division, what it's gone through since John Jones left the division. I mean, it, it, it's, it's always going to be debate. And, like, I, I heard someone talk about Michael Page to the UFC. And it's like, if the UFC, they could either do him really dirty and just put him up against wrestlers, or they could put him up against matchups that make a lot of sense. Could you imagine Michael Page signs? It gets announced this weekend. And they say, oh, by the way, he's taking on the winner of Stephen Thompson and Michelle Pereira. That's a great fight. Hashtag would watch. Yeah. And that's what the UFC has to do because with Michael Page, he is a star. And he is someone that the UFC can do good business with. He is someone the UFC can put as a headliner and just do badass fights. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for so many other of these badass one-to-eight fights. Do not put him in there with a wrestler. If Michael Page was, say, 30 years old, I I think it's a much different scenario in terms of maybe what what it is. But he's 36 years old, and it's like I said on the podcast a couple – well, I think it was last week I said this. You know, is UFC really in the business signing 36-year-olds? It typically is not uh, what we see the UFC do. But but them putting Michael Page on the broadcast, to me, really is a clear sign that – there's there's something potentially there, and we'll we'll see what happens with that one. But uh, of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Uh, Dave, anything you want to mention before we get out of here, man? I just hope everyone has an awesome week. This is probably the last time we will ever record um, where the Texas Rangers are in the lead of their division. They are one game ahead of the Astros, so uh, probably next time we talk, they will be behind the Astros. So I just wanted to mention that as a Rangers fan, it was it's a great run. But uh, I'm excited for some fights, Jason. Yeah, it's not been a good run for my race. <laughs> it's not yeah. been a good run. I, I think I saw like they've lost like 14 of 18 or something along those lines. I, I don't. Uh, I don't follow baseball like I once did. I. I, I just don't. I mean, you know, more. Uh, you know, it, it's football season. Football season's here. I, I don't know if you Go, saw baby. this. My guy Mike Evans shows up the training camp yesterday, walking into the facility with a helmet on. I'm like, oh, he's ready. He's ready. I saw you shared that. That's awesome. <laughs> I I love Mike Evans. When I went to Texas A&M for three uh, six weeks, he was there on that team, and uh, uh, oh, I effing love that dude. So uh, I hope you guys have a good season, man. I really do. And um, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard. Obviously, y'all making that transition in quarterback. But yeah. I love me some. I love me a lot of those dudes you got on your team, man. You just gotta go out there and fight. And Dude. hey, you're in a division where there's a lot of things in flux with that the quarterback position. So we'll you, see. You know it's football season when I'm getting the hey, here's your flight information for a week two of the preseason. Yeah, our, our first preseason game is uh two weeks from Friday. You know, we got uh who are we playing? We're playing Pittsburgh. Uh, the first week, and then we go to uh, we go up to New York to play the Jets. Uh, so the team's going up there early to, to practice with them. So, uh, and, and when I go to New York, I'm going to go to Yankees Red Sox on that Friday night. So I'm looking forward to oh, that. That's as much as I'm looking forward because obviously it's a huge rival baseball. I'm just I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to go to Yankee Stadium. I, I, that to me is going to be the highlight of the trip, dude. 
I'm jealous, and I hope you have a great time. I would love to do that, and hopefully I will in my life. That is awesome, bro. Yeah, that I think we paid awesome. like uh, 180 bucks for outfield seats. Oh, that's perfect. That's expensive, but perfect. Yeah, well, but, but going, he goes, hey, man, we can get, we, he goes, we can get a behind-home plate for 1000 bucks. Good, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> I want to I live my life, just not that much. I, I cannot, ju- my bank account cannot justify paying 1000 bucks for a, a, t- a team that I'm not a fan of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though I'm pretty sure I might have to pay a thousand bucks to go see FSU LSU, but that's a team you give a lot of craps about. So let's go, <sighs> dude. Let's go. Is, I, I was listening to a, a FSU podcast I listened to, and they were saying because the game's in Orlando, so it's it's a smaller stadium, and they were like, yeah, um, parents of players are hitting us up asking if we have any t- any ticket hookups. Oh my god! Yeah, I think lower levels right now are going for like seven hundred dollars a piece. Up uh, the upper levels is like two fifty. Damn, that is crazy. But that yeah, is- late yeah, I'll be yeah, I'll be in Orlando Labor Day weekend. That's Labor Day Sunday night. Oh man, that's gonna be a good time. I, I the only thing is, I'm like, cool. How much is that Uber gonna cost me to get out of there? Oof. Yeah, <laughs> you um, know, you know that is gonna be surge pricing to the fullest. Oh no, sir! No doubt about it. It's time to start saving up, my man. Dude, we, we went there for um, the FSU bowl game back in December. So it was four mm-hmm. of us, and so uh, Church Street, which is their party district, so it's about a mile away. And my buddy goes, "Let's just walk in." That was several beers in. Sure, why not? Let's walk in. We start walking, and I'm like, "Sweat's going on," and I see one of these guys in the bicycles, and I go, "Hey, man, how much?" He goes, 25 a person. I go, and this dude hustling, (laughs) biking us down to Church Street. Oh, yeah. I know what those are like. Honestly, it's really scary. But, hey, man, he's hustling to get down there, and he's hustling you out of your dollars. But, hey, smart man he is. I remember one time we were in New Orleans, we did that, and we looked at the guy and go, hey, man, can we smoke back here? He goes, yeah, no problem. (laughs) He don't care. He don't care. (laughs) As long as you just get that money, man, yeah. Yeah, but gotta yeah, get man. that back. Yeah, but man, everything is good with me, man. Uh, you know, I I, I, I want to kind of always lead the pot in the podcast with this. It's something that has really been key for me. Is uh, man, just checking on your friends. You never know. Uh, I know some people going through some stuff right now, so uh, always checking on your friends and checking on those strong friends because you, you just never know uh, what's going on in their life. But as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of podcast. We will talk to you next Wednesday right here on the MMA Report podcast. <laughs>